Welcome to Standout, where you're going to hear from some exceptional entrepreneurs. You'll learn what steps they took to get them where they are and what you can do to make your mark. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan, with CherylTanMedia.com. You can find the episodes, the show notes, and the accompanying video of the show, all in one place, at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. Sign up for my newsletter there and get media strategies I only share with readers. It's certainly not easy to start over. Just ask Diane Gardner, an accountant who has had to do it more than once. After the most recent reinvention, she realized she needed to make some big changes to her business model, or her business just wouldn't survive. She knew she needed to expand her reach and attract customers who were not only in her zip code, an area that has only about 6,000 residents. That meant going way outside her comfort zone. If you are an introvert or feel as if marketing isn't for you, this interview will help you see the power of what I like to call education marketing and how sharing your knowledge can be a game changer for your business. Diane lays her plan out for the standout audience and how she has used marketing strategies to grow her business and bottom line. Diane Gardner, thanks so much for joining us for Standout. It is a pleasure having you on the show today. Cheryl, it is an honor to be on your show today, and I don't take that lightly. <laughs> well, I love your story, and I love your journey. The entrepreneurial journey is one that is <laughs> up and down, that's for sure. So I know our listeners and our viewers want to hear how you got your start in business. Well, my start in business is probably typical of a lot of people starting in business, working, in my case, working for several accounting firms and thinking I can do it better myself, which I think is what sends a lot of us off on that entrepreneurial journey. But I've had to restart a couple times. And I think that is probably more important even than to how I really got started. Mm, interesting. Well, let's hear more about that. So you started and then uh, had a ups and downs and major ups and downs. So delve more into that. I did. Right. Back in 1989, I was in business down in California and we had the huge Loma Prieta earthquake that happened. Oh my. And when that earthquake happened, over half of the buildings in our town were leveled. So we went from a fairly decent, prosperous little town to zero cash. Nothing was happening business wise. And I had a staff, I think of five at that time. And somehow I had to make payroll for them. Well, it was a scary, scary, scary time because there was tons of work out there, but there was nobody could pay for it. So the staff was busy and I had to somehow pay them. Mm -hmm. So that was a, it was a journey that ended up in me selling that accounting practice and coming home to Idaho and starting over again. This time I was going to start it small and keep it small and be a mom. Because in the process of the prior journey, we had adopted a two-year-old little girl. And I, the first two years of her life, she was shuffled off to daycare. Or her first two years with us, she was shuffled off to daycare. And I wanted that chance to really be a mom first. And so I started working really small from home and was able to be there for her and, and that whole type of thing, which was an experience I would not have traded for anything. Mm -hmm. But along the road, we had another major upheaval. Due to circumstances beyond my control, my husband changed his address. And what? Wait, what? <laughs> Say that again. He changed his address. He changed his address, yes. He moved out. And 
So all of a sudden I was left with 100% of the outgoing costs of operating our home on 50% of the income. And so I had to get serious. And so I packed up my office, rented a little office space in town, started walking the streets and passing out flyers. I was desperate. I had to support myself and my daughter. And the journey began there. And that really motivated me to figure out how to get clients. I'm being a typical accountant. I'm pretty introverted. Um, Walking the streets and passing out flyers was so far out of my comfort zone. But I, I, you know, for my daughter's sake, I did it. And we picked up some clients and stuff that way. Things were growing along. We were doing, you know, fairly well. And then we had the recession 2008 and nine. Mm-hmm. I was fairly heavy in the construction industry as far as working with a lot of contractors, specialty contractors, real estate professionals, those kind of people. And so once again, I found myself going through another major upheaval. I had just bought the commercial building that my office is located in the year before in 2007. I bought it at the top Um, and we're still trying to get it back up to where it's worth what I owe on it. (laughs) That's a different story. (laughs) Uh, But anyhow, I had to, all of a sudden I had to learn how to market because there, I had to get to a different audience. I had to become different than from the other accountants in town because the competition became a little more on the fierce side where before there was always enough clients. It was no big deal. And so that's what sent me down the road of becoming a tax coach because up to that point, I was an accountant and I had to find something that made me different, something that made me stand out from the crowd of the other hundred and some accountants in the area and that is the avenue that I chose. I've always loved working with income taxes. I know I'm a nerd, but it's been an area that has an area that people that need so much help in understanding it and getting their way through it and stuff. And so by becoming a certified tax coach, I am now able to say I'm the only one in the state of Idaho and eastern Washington, and it has broadened my horizons where I now work nationwide. So it was, in hindsight, it was probably the best move I ever did, but it was born out of desperation. There's so many things that I love about what you've said. So, of course, we're going to talk about the marketing of your accounting business in a little bit. But I want to go back to that trait in entrepreneurs that, I mean, you could have gotten a job somewhere. You could have done a whole bunch of other (laughs) things that kept you in the city where you started instead of going back to Idaho or, or doing whatever it is you did even and still support your daughter. What is it about your resolve, and, and we can you know, classify it as the entrepreneurial resolve, whatever you call it, but what is it about wanting to still be on your own despite all the hardships that kept you on that path? I'd like to think I'm unemployable, <laughs> which I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. Uh, guilty. We don't make, yeah, I yeah. really feel like that now too. <laughs> Yeah, we don't make good employees. I had a lot of pressure from my family, just go get a real job. I'm sure. Instead of what I was doing. Um, But I knew I couldn't do that long term. If I did it, it would only be short term because I I loved the challenge of making the decisions, uh, growing this company, meeting new people, helping them. If I was to get a job for another accounting firm, I wouldn't fit in well because I am entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. They're not. 
I would be stuffed in a corner somewhere with a pile of tax returns to do. Mm -hmm. And then I get bored. I'm very easily bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, that is the drive I think that kept me going when I probably could have went and got a decent job somewhere. Right. Right. And had the comfort and the security of insurance and a steady paycheck and all of that. But this more idea, the idea of having more is, is what you were after. Okay. Let's go back to 2008, 2009, the recession and another big blow for your business with being so focused on construction companies, they didn't have money. So at that time you were a regular accountant, not regular. Sorry, Diane. I was. I was. <laughs> so you were doing your tax returns and loving it. And um, doing bookkeeping and payroll and right. just the normal stuff. You were just a, a typical, how about this? A typical mm-hmm. accountant. And boring. What, <laughs> never boring. Never boring. I was. <laughs> and I've talked to other entrepreneurs who've described that period of time and how it was it was like overnight. It was like one day it it was was there and then the next day it wasn't. Everyone panicked and then they shut everything down. Like they did. Other than the lights, they kept everything, like they turned everything off. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you when you realized that, oh no, um, so much of my companies that I work with are construction related or they're going out of business? I felt like I was going through the same type of scenario that I went through down in California after the earthquake. Because they needed their final tax returns done. They needed their bookkeeping finished up. They needed closure on everything. The government was after them. They were mercilessly after people. They didn't care that they were out of business. They were going to get blood out of the turnip. And I care so much about my clients that we did work knowing fully well I was never going to get paid for it. My only thought was down the road. Um... You know, God tends to even things out and and down the road is when you get your your rewards or your whatever for it. And you just do what needs to be done to help them find that closure that they needed. And there was many, many tearful sessions here in my office, men or women, it didn't matter. Their world was falling apart. So, well, thank goodness yeah, for it people was like tough. you. I mean, thank goodness because, like you said, the, I mean, the taxes need to get paid. Even if your business isn't there, there was no choice. So, I mean, thank goodness for people like no. you to yeah. make that happen. When you decided to make that switch in your business, when you said, okay, self, this isn't working, we need to <laughs> make myself unique or find that it factor, and then you, you came upon that certified tax coach route. I've actually never heard of that. So was that brand new? Was that something you had known was a career like fork in the road or or something like that? It, It was definitely a career fork in the road. I had never heard of it before prior to about 2009. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found it through some research I was doing. I was trying to figure out how to become a marketer. I knew nothing about marketing. So I was reading every book and taking every webinar or live class or anything I could get my hands on to figure out how do you market an accounting practice Mm. and saw an ad in a periodical that I read on a regular basis that was talking about, do you want to stand out from the crowd? Yes, I do. Where do I sign up? (laughs) And I watched them for about a year. I listened to several of their webinars. I I got on their newsletter list because I wanted to know, was it legitimate? Was it for real? So many people hear the word tax planning and they think of illegal gray areas, Um, 
IRS is going to find out and audit you. And I didn't want to get involved in any of that kind of stuff. And that's tax avoidance. That's not tax planning. So I didn't want to get involved in any of that. So I kind of watched quietly for about a year as I was still trying to figure out the whole marketing thing. And after about a year, it's like, okay, they're legit. I can tell it's fine. And so I went down to San Diego and took three days of intensive training. And that started the ball rolling. That's awesome. That really is. And then you realized, I imagine, that what you had been talking to your clients about, they just put a different word on it. Right. They, I mean, you would have been talking to them about planning probably all along, but they mm-hmm. gave you another title that you could add to they, your name. They did. And they taught you how to charge what you're worth. Mm. I had been giving free advice to clients all along. And we all know what clients do with free advice. They do absolutely nothing with it. Right. And the next year they'd come in and they'd be in the same predicament they were in the year before. Well, by structuring it into a systemized program, that they buy into, I was able to implement it for them and get paid to implement it for them so that they now get it done. And they're happy. They're thrilled because they're saving money. I'm happy because I no longer have to tell them, oh, by the way, you owe $35,000 again this year. You haven't paid off last year's installment agreement. What are we going to do? We don't have those conversations anymore. (laughs) So it's been a win-win for everybody. Let's talk about marketing and accountants. So marketing and accountants, I guess, don't go together. And I personally don't understand why, because accountants, I think, are are educators at heart. And if, in my opinion, if they educated, then it wouldn't be marketing. It would just be teaching, and then people would find them through their education. But but why would you say, um, in your past life, <laughs> accounting and marketing didn't go together? Because in... As accountants, we were never taught to market. We were just told, put up your shingle and they will come. Ah. And that's pretty much how it worked until the recession hit. And all of a sudden, there weren't as many days. (laughs) And so you had to kind of go after the ones you wanted. And in my case, it meant reaching outside of my geographic area. Because I'm in a little town of 6,000 people. Oh, no. So, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So I started really uh, working my way into neighboring towns. And then I started branching out and working my way out nationwide ah. because I needed traction and I needed it quickly and I wasn't able to get it out of my small little town. Okay. Let's hear how you did it because if you live in a town with 6,000, you do need more. You need more eyeballs on your, um, on your books because you're an author as well, on your website, yeah. on um, the things that you, you push out. So how, what, what kinds of steps did you take to go out of your comfort zone? So here's just a couple of my books. And this is what got me started was I did not think an accountant could be an author. I'm totally a numbers person. I don't feel like I tell stories well, like some people do. So I dabble, I stuck my toe in the water. The very first book was Stand Apart and it was a co-authored book. So I got, I committed to writing a chapter. It's like, okay, I can do that. My second book was another co-authored book. It was called, Why Didn't My CPA Tell Me That? Mm. And it was different write-offs and stuff that people don't know about. And so here again, I I was brave enough to do a chapter. So once I got those two co-authored books out of the way, I went, I can do this. And so then this one became our next one, The 10 Most Expensive Mistakes That Cost You Thousands. And this is a book I give away for free all day, every day out on my website. And we send them out 
almost every day, at least a couple go out in the mail out of my office. Oh, that's great. Because I love to educate and share information. Uh, once we did that one, we've done a couple niche versions of it. I have a niche for real estate agents, and I have a niche for the, the construction industry. Um, one of our next niches we'll be working on will be insurance agents. Mm. So I'm a firm believer in, in creating affinity with your audience. Then after that, then I was at a mastermind meeting, and they were talking about the need to become authors. And somehow my hand went up, and I committed to writing this one. <laughs> Which is stop overpaying your taxes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Title. 11 ways entrepreneurs overpay and how to stop it. Now, this book is written a little differently from this one or its niche versions. This one's mainly just educational information. Mm -hmm. This one here is actual case studies from my clients. Nice. And so they're individual little stories centered around real conversations that I've had with people. Change the names, change the industries, you know, protect everybody's privacy. But just going through some of my files and coming up with stories that really stuck out in my mind and started writing that one. So I was, um, I won't say coerced, but um, highly motivated by the mastermind group to get it done in 60 days. It 60 got done days. In, six, in 60 days, yes. We were coming up on the end of the year and tax season was starting. Right. So, right. You really um, had anyhow, a deadline. I had. I did. I had a hard deadline. How, how did that impact your business? You have the book. Did the, did the customers just start calling you once you sent them out? I mean, so how did A yeah. equal B equal um, more customers? <laughs> the biggest way it has helped me is it's opened the doors to podcast interviews, radio shows, seminars, conferences, Things I can now get my foot in the door. I can approach people that I couldn't before. I pack both of these around as like the big business card type thing. I, I carry a few business cards with me, but mainly I pack books with me. And when I come across somebody new, if I give them a book, they're not going to throw it away. Uh, it's yeah. not going to end up in some business card file somewhere never to be seen again or on some app on their phone never to be looked at again. They're going to take it home. Now, they may not look at it right away, but eventually they'll look at it or they'll pass it on to somebody else and that other person will look at it. Right. So I get an awful big response from my books. We do a lot of trade shows and business fairs and we pass out books all night long. And people go, how can you afford to do that? And it's just a, such, it's my need of sharing information, sharing knowledge, because your average small business owner overpays their taxes by somewhere between a minimum of $3,000 a year. I've done as much as about $45,000 a year. What? That's a lot of money. Yes. Just because they didn't know if they structured things a little bit differently in their business, it could save them a ton of tax. I have one client who we we did some tax planning with he has used his tax savings to buy a commercial building that building will be paid for in about two to three more years with his tax savings and he will have that building courtesy of the irs <laughs> that he wouldn't have otherwise he'd still be paying rent and paying yeah. that tax to the irs and they don't know what they don't know or we don't know what we don't know right Right. So that's why I like to share the information, pass out the books, get that information out there so people at least know that they need to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Most accountants are not proactive. They do a great job of reporting your information history, the historical part. They do your financials. They do your tax returns. You get lucky. They might do a projection or something for you. But they, they're really great at recording history, but very few of them are focused on helping you plan the future. 
So if you can find accountants who will help you plan the future, then it completely is a game changer mm -hmm. for your mm -hmm. business. It sounds like you really had to dig deep and step outside of your comfort zone, whether it's oh, yeah. write a book or, or maybe even get on a podcast or be on video with me, whatever it is, it's, it's stepping out of what maybe you would be comfortable doing. How has that changed your business? What does it look like now in 2016 that it, that would be so different from 2008 or nine? Now clients fill out an application to work with me. They pay my fees up front. We only work off of retainers. I've changed the whole face of how we do business. <laughs> we're not the cheapest gain in town, and we're quite proud of it. Um, we no longer compete on price because we're competing on value. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if your accountant isn't sharing this information with you, then maybe you've outgrown your accountant. And that is the message that we get out there to people. And it boggles them, just like you're shaking your head. And it's pretty much, will you work with me? Mm -hmm. And I look at it case by case. And I find a lot of people are a great fit and a lot aren't. Because if I can't help them, then it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to say, yeah, come, come to me, even though I can't help you. Right. So, so but, on but top, that has changed it. On top of the strategic planning, do you also then do the accounting and the tax filing? And so you're full service. We are okay. full service, right? Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Fascinating. I, I want to talk more <laughs> about the, the tax part, and then we're going to go back more to what your plans are to continue to grow this. Because out of your town of 6,000, um, you may have clients there, but you've expanded to the country, maybe to the world, maybe to the country. We, we stay within the U.S. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we're, we have clients from Rhode Island to Hawaii. Okay. Uh, we cover about 35 states right now. Okay. So I want to talk more about the growth of that. But first, for those who are entrepreneurs listening to this, and we have mostly entrepreneurs who are watching and listening this show, what are some of the biggest mistakes? And you hinted at some of that earlier, but what are some things that we can look at now as we plan ahead for tax season to come in less than a year? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the very biggest mistake outside of just sheer out lack of planning, because that's always number one. But after that is entity type. Uh, if you are in the wrong entity type, you can be overpaying your taxes by thousands and thousands of dollars each year and not even know it. Mm -mm. It sounds complicated. I think that's why people stay in the entity. And we're talking about sole proprietor, partnership, partnership LLC, or um, S Corp. And so... People may be confused about when to move up, when to stay, mm -hmm. when in that whole when to process. Do you bet. Right. Yeah, there's a whole analysis that we like to do with the clients. We don't just blindly say, oh, you should be XYZ because it's not a one size fits all. It, every business is different and there's some thought that needs to go into it as well as what is the future hold? Where are you going with this business so that we pick an entity type that will fit you for the next several years? Mm -hmm. Because businesses do grow, and as they grow, they can outgrow their, their entity type that they started in. Is it something that they should be looking at every six months, every year, every quarter, that kind of thing? They'll probably not have to look at it that often, but at least every year or two, most definitely. Okay. If they've got a proactive accountant, or at least taking that into consideration. Mm -hmm. What type of entity type are we, and, and is it good to continue there for the next few years? And are there some things, some easy things that people miss that they just simply don't do 
other than the entity designation that loses them money, that keeps them from saving money in whatever they're doing? Well, I'm always looking at ways we can take after-tax dollars and move them into pre-tax dollars. Okay. Because that's money that you're already spending. So in part of the analysis that we do, I'm always looking to see, are you, Cheryl, the entrepreneur, are you supporting a family member, a, an adult child, a um, other a parent, somebody like that, that you're, that you're helping out on a regular basis. Even your younger children qualify in this, in this scenario. And we're looking at ways, is there something that they can do in your business so we can make them an employee of your business, pay them out of your business, which now gives them that same money that you have been giving them on the side all this time and able to write it off in their, your business. And depending on what's going on in their life, it could potentially be low enough that it's tax-free or at the 10% tax rate when you're at a maybe a 15 or 25 or even higher tax rate. That's legal. That's it's legal? Totally, <laughs> yes, if you, if you do it right. Okay. Yes. Well, how so, can people get in yes. touch with you and learn more about your services and the plans that you offer to help them? The best way is go out to my website at www.taxcoachforyou.com, and that's using the number four. And they can request their copy, free copy of the 10 Most Expensive Mistakes books. There's a bunch of free stuff they can download. You know, if, and I don't care if I never, ever work with them. As long as I get the information, read it, <laughs> look at it. But, of course, if they want to work with me, um, we're happy to talk to them. I um, always offer a free tax analysis where we'll take a look at the last two years' tax returns and see if I can spot these inconsistencies mm -hmm. or sometimes it's downright errors mm -hmm. that are made on the tax return. And then we go from there as to whether we can help them or not. You can't avoid taxes. And what an opportunity that you're offering people. So I'll link all that information and information on how to reach out to you at the oh. show's show notes at CherylTanMedia.com. I love the story, though, that you have created in that you've come out of your comfort zone and, and done something uh, completely, maybe not what you would have expected. Um, Never. <laughs> ten, 10 years ago, even. Um, what's next for you? What's next for your tax coach business? I would say continuing to grow that area because it's so much fun. When I'm able to deliver this plan and it's tax time now and all of our hard work has paid off and we've, we finalize this tax return and I'm able to show them that they were, that they saved, let's say it's $18,000 in tax that year mm -hmm. or it's $42,000 in tax that year and they get this look on their face. It's like, wow, it really worked. I'm not, I wasn't sure you could pull it off. <laughs> and when you see that, it's like, it's, Everything you've done was completely worthwhile. And so just repeating that, like they say, what is it? Um, rinse, lather, repeat, whatever that saying goes, is just keep doing that over and over and over. Continue to help as many people as we can. Uh, to date, we've saved $718,000 in income tax for my clients. I will break the $1 million record this year, and then we'll keep We'll set our next goal and start working towards the $2 million record. But just keep working on that and, and reaching out to as many people as we possibly can. Keep going, Diane. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We like to talk about habits on the show. And we've all got 
plates in the air and families that were taking care of businesses to run. How, what kinds of habits do you, you, that you take part in every day regularly that keep you on track and on your success journey? Let me say my biggest habit is time blocking, mm. making sure that I have calendared time to work on my business as well as calendared time to work on my tax plans, calendared time to go do seminars, reach out to clients, have time to make phone calls or Skype calls, whatever it might be. But putting that stuff on the calendar, because if, if you don't, your time just disappears and it's gone. And so really being self-disciplined enough to put that type of stuff on the calendar. Very good. Very, very good. Before we say goodbye and thank you, um, one last question that we ask all entrepreneurs who join us for Standout is, what makes you a standout? Getting to be a tax superhero. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Not too many accountants get to do that. Mm -hmm. There's about 400 of us across the U.S., and we are all tax superheroes. Tax superhero. Fantastic. And your clients are the ones that end up winning. So they are. Thank yes. you so much for your time for joining us today for Standout, Diane. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Standout. Diane is true to her word. I just received her book, 11 Ways Entrepreneurs Overpay and How to Stop It Now, in the mail. You can receive a copy too. Sign up for it from this episode show notes, which you can find at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 25. It has been an honor to connect with so many forward-thinking entrepreneurs. The best way to get their stories in front of more people is to subscribe to and review the show on iTunes. Thank you in advance for your support. If you'd like to be reminded when new standout episodes come out, you can sign up for my newsletter at CherylTanMedia.com. Until next time, thanks so much for joining me. I'm Cheryl Tan.